Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from our spacious cruise ship (laughs) cabin in Pacific waters, somewhere between Japan and Mm -hmm. South Korea and Taiwan. But it's very foggy out, so you'll hear uh, occasionally the foghorn from the ship going off. That indicates that we can't see shore or we can't see much of anything at all. But so. we'll add to the ambience. Yes. We, we cruised through some fog yesterday on the way to Jeju, South Korea, and it was strictly a marine layer. Once you got to land, it was a beautiful sunny day. The weather we've experienced so far has been the typical late spring weather that we know from home. Very comfortable for being a tourist. Uh, but we are traveling again, and we are bringing you the RV Navigator. We always bring our portable studio with us so that we we can be loyal podcasters and get this up on the web just as expeditiously as always. Even, well, maybe. Even if RVs are not always on our mind. Well, well, yes, yeah. but this is RVing on steroids anyway, so it's, it's just like RVing. <laughs> I did see one tiny little campground in Jeju with three or four tents. That's about it. Did you really? Yeah. Mm. And that's a, a very hot spot for vacationers in Southeast Asia. Jeju, Korea. Uh, the largest island off the peninsula. Yes. And very green and agricultural, fresh air, not very crowded. But one jet plane after another streamed over our heads, bringing somebody in from somewhere. We understand a lot of mainland Chinese like to go there for their vacation. And whether this gets up on time or not uh, is debatable because our ship has very... Well, they don't let you do any downloading of podcasts uh, on their Internet, and we don't know whether they would let us do any uploading. We'll find (laughs) out. So uh, if this podcast is a little bit late, we will apologize. Of course, if you're listening to this, it's already been uploaded, but uh, that's why it was late. It'll get there sooner or later. Because we're actually doing this quite early. Um, It's actually just after Memorial Day, and it looks like we missed a fabulous Memorial Day weather-wise back in Illinois as well as most of the country. But it was very nice here, but there was no celebration of Memorial Day, needless to say, because we are uh, having traveled 14 time zones and about 12 hours, uh, 13 hours on an airplane. One of the nice things about living near O'Hare is is that we can fly almost any place in the world nonstop. So we flew to Tokyo, and we took a few days to recover. As we get older, it's a little bit more difficult to recover. It's a lot of time zone. More or less swapping day for night. And we have uh, gradually adjusted, and we are now uh, sailing for 27 days on the Pacific Ocean someplace. <laughs> on the Diamond Princess. <laughs> around around uh, Japan. And, and we should add that this is a cruise that has been developed primarily for the Japanese tourists, not for us. And we read some kind of off-putting reviews before we <laughs> left home that yes. made us worry that we would be so much in the minority that we wouldn't know what was going on. But this particular cruise, which is the first of three back-to-back slightly different itineraries, uh, most English-speaking people have booked the whole thing for 27 days. But our impression is that the Japanese 
days will come and go because their cruises are nine days each. And this first one, we are 60% non-Japanese, whatever that means. Yes, but I think a lot of those are, are Asians. Yeah. Yeah. But they speak good English. And they, to us, they look like Japanese. <laughs> but this means that we uh, we think we know what's it. going on. There are enough of the um, announcements that are in English. We were surprised to even have a English-speaking comic, which is a real risk to take yeah, on, but they a, were Aussie. on an international so cruise. So it wasn't very funny. <laughs> to us. But there are a lot of Aussies on board. There are very few Americans on board. And right after this, uh, we record the podcast here, we're going to our second Japanese lesson. Konnichiwa. Works out really well because there are a lot of Japanese on board who don't speak any English either. Yes. So we, we shared a couch with a lovely couple. The lady and I were quite bravely going back and forth while the men yes, folk well, were kind of observing. Linguistic. <laughs> um, it's nice to have built-in language teachers all around you. So we will spend most of June... Uh, here and then, of course, we make the 13-hour flight back from Narita, which is Tokyo's airport, back to Chicago on another non-stopper. So we're looking forward to this, uh, to seeing a little bit in more detail what Japan has to offer. It certainly, is uh, and its neighbors an exotic sort of place. And right, and but the Japanese people are very friendly, and of course. Tokyo is one of those cities that is just organized in the extreme. We took a tour um, from a, <laughs> we left the hotel about eight and we got back about four four thirty. It involved bike riding and walking, and the entire day I kept an eye out. I did not see one speck of garbage anywhere. Not a gum wrapper, not a cigarette butt, not a hamburger wrapper, not a plastic bag. And it wasn't because there were trash cans everywhere. It was because the Japanese know that their environment will be more beautiful if they don't just hurl stuff down on the street and they wait to throw it away in an appropriate place. And that's kind of their approach to life in many ways. To provide a little bit of context, we, of course, just came back from Delhi which is another large country <laughs> and from India from India and to compare Delhi and Tokyo is really a, a huge contrast and at opposite ends of the scale Delhi is colorful and f- vibrant and uh, disorganized to the to the maximum as you as you probably have heard us talk about there's no lanes for traffic and there's the lights are not paid attention to and garbage everywhere garbage everywhere and people just doing their own thing whereas Tokyo when, when we were in Japanese. in Tokyo we took the subway to the fish market and Ken read that it's not appropriate to speak on the subway <laughs> and it was like taking a subway ride with a group of zombies because not only did no one speak everybody had their eyes down on their iPad or their phone everybody had little earbuds yeah, yeah. and there was absolutely no social interaction with anyone and so a few times I mouthed quietly <laughs> something to can like is this the right stop are we getting off but of course it had it had it was very well organized in that it had nice little english signs telling you where to get off and stuff there's just enough english that you can get around so uh, there's like you know one sign and then you but you got to be careful not to miss it but compared to delhi it's just a huge contrast and i would say the united states is someplace in In the the middle middle. yeah japan is 
on-time, prompt, organized. People Clean. people walk on the right side of the road. People don't you know don't do the wrong things, and they do it because uh, it's socially acceptable. Where and in Delhi, it's every man for themselves. Clothing, <laughs> at least in do the big in the big city, the clothing tended to be a lot of blacks and grays yeah, yeah. and somber and colors. Seas of people, right? Just as many people as in Delhi, but just very well organized. <laughs> unlike Delhi, so I, I, not being critical of either one, it's just very interesting to have visited the two countries back to back, back it's to back, a real and contrast. to see the contrast, and then live at home where you know things are most of the time where they work pretty good, and <laughs> it's, it's but you don't take it for granted, <laughs> right? Of course, living there, we know the the ins and outs of the system. So that's our trip here in Tokyo. We we've just scratched the surface, and we'll have a yes. lot more to tell you about what we've seen in the next powerful episode of the RV Navigator. But we need to talk a little bit about RVing. Well, I'm I'm kind of surprised I am as well prepared for this trip as I am because we had a huge distraction a week yes. before we left home. As you know, if you've been listening to us right along, we are hemming and hawing and wondering what to do. Um, our motorhome is a 2004, and we are anticipating that it will start to have some problems that could leave us sitting by the side of the road, although so far with Ken's uh, good maintenance, it's behaved very wow. well. It's been a good machine. We we love it. We love how we it love the is floor inside. Plan. We love the, the upgrades that we've made to it. We've made it our own. Yes. But uh, as I look down the road, and for those of you who are, who are 30, 40, or 50, uh, life is not infinite. <laughs> as, you get to, as you get to the stage of life that I and, and we are in, and Martha's about to turn 65 this month, we see that, well... The road is going to come to an end. Nothing lasts forever, right. including and our motorhome are not and inf- including us. <laughs> not infirmed at the moment. Uh, as you put your life in perspective, you realize that there is a finite amount of time left. Um, and so for those of you who are in those earlier stages of life, be sure that you use your years uh, to the best advantage. And I sincerely think that we have, but uh, I would give that as a pearl of advice for for those of you who are younger, get out and do it while you can. So looking down the road, we made a rough calculation that Ken would be able to drive our motorhome for about 10 more years safely as long as he stays in good health. Right, you never know. And that it would be wise to have a motorhome that we were fairly confident would also last for 10 more <laughs> years without giving us a lot of grief. So In our, in our current one, I just don't know whether it'll last. You know, they talk about a million-mile chassis, but uh, and that's absolutely true with only only 88,000 miles on it, or 82,000 miles on it. Uh, it certainly has a lot of miles left on it, but I don't know. Some of the stuff is uh, is beginning to show its age. I have been looking for the past five or six months since we were in Arizona. I've been reading the message boards and the and the RV trader and places that the, the Internet is just so cool because it offers you the opportunity to see uh, vehicles that are for sale from around the country. And frankly, I, we were willing to buy any place. We've talked about this. We wanted to buy something new. Oh, this Not is gonna, brand new, new. Well, no, well, it's something newer for us. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we would have to travel someplace to, to buy it. And I was, we looked in Arizona but didn't really find anything, anything that was uh, appropriate for us. And you know, I, I ranted and raved, and I know I'm going to have to, Eat my words. Are you ever? Oh, listeners, please don't 
harass me. Just encourage him oh. because we have some major misgivings I, I, about what we got. I have. Oh, this this really hurts. I've talked so much about I didn't want DEF, you know, the diesel emissions fluid. I didn't want, you know, the new diesel. I didn't want a tag axle. I didn't want all electric. And, and what did we buy? <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say that I'm flexible. <laughs> but if you want a, a newer coach... Then you gotta buy. Then that's DEF. So, you gotta buy. In, in, many, in many ways, I think we're we're, we're just trusting Numar, uh, and that they've done their research and they know what they're doing in terms of building these new coaches, and that, that they will be uh, satisfactory and accept, acceptable to those of us used to the old ones. So you know, as you're looking through the classified ads and, and various websites. Uh, you say this when you look at this one, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden you say, yes, this is a very clean, nice coach. Looks good. Looks good. And in actuality, at the beginning of May, right after the last podcast, I found two that were very acceptable. I called one guy in Missouri, and uh, it was sold. So that one was out. And so we called the second one, which was in mid-Michigan someplace. Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. and Sold on consignment by a dealer. Which is a fairly common practice, I think. We drove up to look at it, and the day we drove up to look at it, we bought it. Because it was super clean, 11,000 miles, two years old, and was a Dutch star, which we were really looking for because we trust Newmar to make a good product. And we just couldn't find any reason not to buy it. Well, besides the fact that it had DEF electrical electric. And a tag axle. So the title of this of this episode is 43 is the new 40. Or eat your words. Or eat my words. <laughs> <laughs> eat my words. Oh, and of course, at this point, this was a real problem because we really, honest to God, didn't plan on buying anything. I didn't have time. We didn't have time to buy it. But it's, it's still bit, sitting up there in Grand Rapids. Exactly. We didn't have time <laughs> to bring it home. We've only seen it once and we've owned it a month. Um, so we have taken some pictures. We bought it the day we saw it. Because I, I, I think, you know, we know what we want in a coach. We've looked at a lot of Numars. We yeah. know we like Numar. The right. dealer had put a gazillion pictures of it on the website, so nothing that I saw surprised me. <laughs> it was everything that I expected from just looking at it on the web. And it is gorgeous. It's beautiful, but one thing that, well, two things that really irk me. Um, we are 43 feet long now. <laughs> I thought 40 was too much, and for that you get no additional storage space. Well, that's what's really a shame. And in some ways I feel like I have less storage space because what really put me off is is that there is no coat closet so (laughs) dear listeners those of you who do not have coat closets and don't just tell me you put it in your clothes closet because my clothes closet is already full of clothes what should i do with all my coats yeah where shall i put them well we're going to have some interesting transitions as we so now we're the proud owner of two coaches that's the real issue. Yeah. So when we get back from Asia, we're going to go back to Grand Rapids, bring it home, and and park them side by side, and then we're going to have our the goodies. issue of taking all the stuff from the old one and putting it in the new one, and hopefully it fits. I mean, this is the real. I'm not really sure it'll all fit. No, I'm not either. Because this is why the the new 43 is. 43 is the new 40. Right. Because I don't, the new coach, even though it's three feet longer, is not really any bigger. 
that's hard to believe in terms well, of usable I, we, space. We hope that <laughs> when we finally get in it, that uh, that will be moot. We'll be eating those words too. Right. The new coach is really uh, a, a stunning beauty. Something else I didn't really want was the porcelain flooring. <laughs> it is. It is lovely. But it has porcelain flooring, uh, and of course, if you go to the RV Navigator website for the past month, I've had a extra link put up at the top, and if you take a click on it, you'll be able to see uh, quite a few pictures of what our new coach looks like. Fortunately, it has the the same um, ISL engine. The but. <laughs> Another thing I said I wasn't going to do is I wasn't going to buy Freightliner chassis. What did I buy? Freightliner chassis. We really like the Spartan chassis and their concept, but uh, the problem is that this is a 2012, and all of these features that we have come to appreciate uh, left because of the new diesel engines. You have to have a tag now. And a tag, of course, is the second axle on the rear. You have to have a tag, and you have to have a DEF, and the, the, the extra weight means that you need a longer vehicle. So that's the way it goes. And we'll have to pay more tolls on the highway. Yeah. Bummer. Ooh. Yeah. So those of you who have um, travel trailers or others, you know, the biggest trend these days is towards residential refrigerators, something else I said we never have. <laughs> But this has this does have a beautiful refrigerator. Yes, and I'm sure is, I, I will is, like it, it as long a, as it stays it is, powered. It is a residential refrigerator, and it has a an electric burners. I've never cooked electric. Oh, but we'll be eating out a lot. The uh, the electric the residential refrigerator is coming to all types of RVs. I saw uh, travel trailers now coming with uh, residential fridges. I think that's really a trend that's that's going to become popular. Uh, I think refrigerators have become more efficient, therefore they run off batteries better. And the Are batteries fire- more efficient, too? No. The fire hazard, well, that's coming. Uh-huh. The fire hazard, in, and for those of you who are using uh, propane refrigerators, ours has always worked great uh, once we put the Amish solution in. And the Amish solution is a, a heavy-duty cooling unit on the back end of your refrigerator, which I would recommend to anybody. Uh, just as a safety feature, but what you can't do is put <laughs> put the refrigerator on a slide. And since we have four slides, there's nowhere to put the refrigerator exactly. except exactly. in the bedroom. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So if we are going to put a refrigerator on a slide, it almost has to be residential and electric. So now we have eight six-volt batteries double the number that we had in the old vehicle. That's another ka And our boondocking days are numbered, I guess. I don't know. This is this is what's going to be very interesting. We have, we have eight batteries. I've been reading about the hydronic heating system. Uh, ours is a brand name called Oasis. And I think this is another thing that's going to become very popular. And basically it uh, is a system to heat a liquid which then is used to heat the the coach with radiators well with fans that are hooked up to radiators and the system does two things one is is that it <laughs> it is an electric heating system but it's also fired by diesel and it can be fired by propane so 
it's a much more efficient system, so you can have zones and effectively heat in different areas at different uh, temperatures. And it should be quieter than our propane Substantially furnace? Quieter. That would be good. Yes, and because it works on electric or, or in our case, diesel, uh, it will be quite uh, uh, efficient, I think. we can heat, When we are at a campground, we can use it on electric, which is something we've never been able to heat with other than using the heat pumps. And this has heat pumps, too, in the air conditioners. But it also does hot water, so we, never, we no longer need hot water heater. This means that the outside of the coach is really clean. There's no ports or bays for the refrigerator. There's none for the hot water heater. There's no doors to fall off. There's nothing to clean. No there, places for mice to come there's in. There's no place for the <laughs> no place for the mice to come in. There's no place for the uh, furnace. There's no exit for that because there's uh, it's all with the hydronic heating. But the furnace, the refrigerator. The stove is the only thing left that could possibly use propane. And why put in a huge propane tank and all the piping and stuff and and have the hazard of having propane on board if the only thing you're going to do with it is run some burners on the stove? So all electric means that we now have... That we'll be eating out a lot. (laughs) Oh, well, I, I, never against that. All electric is the is the is the logical solution. So that's my thinking. If I'm and, and the Oasis gets fabulous reviews, people really like it, and people really like the residential fridge. So if you're going to go with those two, it doesn't make any sense to have propane on board. And give up another bay for and the weight. Propane. You've already got eight batteries. So if you're going to have the weight of those eight batteries, it, that's offset by the propane system, so that there's actually no extra weight. Uh, involved. So I've acquiesced. Will we will we like we may be going to a lot more induction cooking, who knows? If we have enough power. Well but induction uses substantially less power than electric cooking. I think. Okay. But of course it has the microwave convection and and all the other things. So and it has a big generator and it ha- we have a very nice uh Pure sine wave inverter, which I would recommend to anybody also, so that it, it's fully operational for uh, the all-electric system. It, it'll run off the batteries for 10 minutes or so. <laughs> so in about, a, in about a month, if you are interested in buying um, <laughs> okay. a, a greatly loved oh, motorhome well, yes. that will be for sale... Let us know. Well, it'll be on RV Trader and some places, and we hope to sell it quickly because it will be priced correctly. The price on this one was uh, was very good, I think, for considering that it has eleven thousand miles and only is two years old. That's that really is uh, a clean, clean coach, and it has some nice features. Now, let, we we don't want to say negative things about it, but people will wonder why we bought it. <laughs> Yes, people will wonder why we bought it. it Are we it, wondering why we bought it? Well, we kind of wanted a nice new coach. It's got uh, Comfort Drive, which everybody raves about. Uh, something I've definitely wanted to try and makes it even easier to drive than the old one, although I never really had any trouble with that. And and it's got the extra slide so that it has seemingly more space on the inside. It's very spacious, seeming, and two nice big uh, recliners and... 
of course, up- we, like, we like the floor plan. We like the floor plan with uh, the mid coach TV, which we like, and it has once again a forty inch Sony, which we like. All very important factors. But now I'm going to have to change, swap out our well up- upcoming interesting projects. <laughs> How the rest of the summer will be spent. <laughs> oh. Oh, I didn't. I really wasn't planning on doing this this year, but here we are. Upcoming things that we know we're going to do, even before we live in it, I think we're going to give this a try. We're going to put on some solar panels. We have solar panels on our, on our old one, and that uh, keeps the batteries up to charge stuff when you are not uh, at a campground and when it's in storage and we were happy to see that the price of uh solar panels yeah. has gone down by about half since we bought the one that we have for we're our getting two our for the same price home. right and i'm planning on putting in a new uh sine wave inverter a 3000 watt that will uh it's called a hybrid and this is a cool idea because when it senses that the shore power doesn't have enough juice to do the things you want to do, it kicks in with inverting so that it adds the battery power to the shore power in order to give you more juice so that you will never hear the cook swearing. Yes. You'll never hear her say, oh, my God, I don't have enough power. Because even when we're on 30 amp, she can cook as if she has 50 amp because the batteries will kick in and uh, boost the power so that she always has. We need to stop drinking coffee. I think that's the problem. Uh The coffee maker just pushes us over the edge. Okay. Well, that's something that's not going to happen. So this way we won't have to. So we're going to spend a few bucks and have that put in. We're going to have an automatic gen start put in so that uh, <laughs> in case things do get dicey, that the generator will automatically start, and a couple of other things. So that'll be a fun project uh, that you'll be hearing probably about in a, amount, a, a fair amount of detail in uh, the, the next, next couple few of, months. The next couple of podcasts. But the next podcast, we will actually have seen it because we pick it up on June 25th. And that'll be the, only the second time we've seen it. Fortunately, the dealer was nice enough to... Uh, Keep it up there for us. <laughs> I think he was kind of surprised. <laughs> we look at it once and then we leave. But that was the... The only way we could do it. Is the story of our lives at that moment. So we had to we had to do it. And we wanted to take advantage of it. And it, it was, uh, I still think... Well, I like DEF. People talk about DEF as not being really much of an issue. You got an encouraging email yes, from somebody about DEF who said, I've only driven our 2012 Phaeton about 3,700 miles since we got back in September. The DEF tank was about half full when we purchased it. Since DEF has about a one-year shelf life, I didn't know that, I just ran it until I got a low DEF warning. So I used approximately six gallons of DEF and 3,700 miles, not too bad. One thing I noticed with our commons uh, with the DEF is, is that it is very quiet. My wife has followed me back from our storage area, and she says it's considerably quieter than the commons uh-huh. in our last motorhome. It also seems to run a lot cleaner. And I have to say, despite our bitching and moaning, um, something that is good for the environment right. is, is a wonderful thing. We just don't want to participate. <laughs> uh, they go on, I've noticed that the tailpipe is clean on the inside, no exhaust residue in the exhaust pipe. I don't think you'll need to be too concerned, concerned about the new system. 
I'm on numerous RV forums, and I can't remember reading right. anything about problems with the DEF. Most people complain that the DEF tank on the passenger side makes it difficult to fill the tank at truck stops, but most people only need to refill or top off once a year. I don't see much of an issue with that. Good point. So with that encouragement, uh, thank you, Eric. We will uh, be joining the ranks of DEF users, and you can indeed uh, fill up like with, with a regular gasoline-type pump at uh, many truck stops. So you just fill it. Apparently, I'm going to fill it up once a year. I don't know. They say it, they say it lasts about three tanks. Um, the tank that we have. So we will see how that goes, and I uh, hope that it goes great because it's we have that nice tag back there. But then again, it's it's as I read the forums and, ta- and hear people talking, there are so many people who say, oh, I just wish they would make 40-footers with tags. And I'm thinking, why would you want a tag? Because they say it's more stable and it's it's easier to drive and blah, 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 blah. So maybe a tag is really a very good thing to have. To me, it takes up an extra storage compartment in the back, and I would just as soon not have the extra tires to buy and that sort of stuff. And I've never found our current one to be much of a wanderer, so I don't know. And they love Comfort Drive, which is a system which automatically centers the steering wheel and keeps uh, you going down the road straight. So that's something else that they rave about and I don't know about. So you can teach an old horse new tricks. And that's me. <laughs> Reluctantly. Relu- well, he just can't rant and rave about not wanting to learn. <laughs> so I'm open to new things. And this coach is going to provide us with many Lots of new, new and exciting adventures. And hopefully it has high-definition wiring. I didn't even check about that. Does it have HDMI and... Can you put that in in after? Well, by drilling holes in the roof. Oh, that's problematic. So we've made an appointment already to go down to Elkhart, our favorite city for RV repairs, and we're going to put in uh, solar panels. I really looked into putting in these new ones. The pliable ones? From GoPower. And for those of you with... uh, other RVs that have curved roofs, that have curved roofs uh, or smaller roofs, you might want to take a look at these because this is a company, um, and of course the link will be on our website called Go Power, and they make a flexible uh, solar panel that is uh, fully operational in, in terms of that it uh, it puts out as much as the standard ones, so that you can mount it to the roof. Uh, and the roof can be curved, and you can also walk on these, which is hard for me to believe. Unfortunately, the dealer, I wanted to deal with the dealer who was working uh, on our brand of inverter, and he doesn't handle these uh, flexible ones. But I think this might be a very major uh, improvement for many people who are looking at uh, putting solar panels up because they, well, seems like a really good idea that they they're flexible, and it seems about time that that this sort of technology is available for for just about everybody. So you might want to look at Go Power and decide whether the pliable solar flex panels. Pliable, yes. I called the dealer on this, and he was uh, willing to put them in there. And they were not. That's the other thing is they're not very expensive, uh, on the order of six hundred dollars per panel. Similar to the similar to the other ones. Four right? months. So the, and that's the other issue, of course, is price because you don't want to have to pay too much. And you can get them in, in a variety of uh, shapes and sizes, so that and outputs. So. 
uh, and so you can put them in you know different places on your roof because uh, you can walk on them. Uh, I don't I don't want to do that, but yeah, but apparently you can. You just glue them down, and you can self-install them. So because they don't require a lot of extra hardware and things to to install. So that'll be uh, something definitely you want to look at. Well, luckily we don't have another major trip planned until the fall. Yeah, so right. we, sh- we well, should have time. Not even in the fall. Well, we have a major trip planned. Yes, it's just not, not in the RV. <laughs> yes, right. But I'm talking about uh, for the RV. We, we last month we talked about the Texas Amarillo. Amarillo oh, the Texas. RV Museum in Amarillo. Yeah, and we saw the number one production unit of the Winnebagos. And surprisingly enough, Winnebago is now making <laughs> a reproduction of that, but with modern guts. But it's the very square designed Winnebago traditional look but this is kind of this is an interesting concept for winnebago to to do I, we were looking here in tokyo at the uh we went to the largest camera store i've ever been to and i'm a big fan of fries and this place was a gargantuan and they had more selection of cameras than I've ever seen and one of the things that really struck me was how retro many of the cameras are these days and that they're they're building cameras to look old but with new insides and here's an RV company Winnebago building a retro Winnebago to make it look like the old ones and it has a a new interior so with summer coming up and I'm sure you've uh, got your RV ready to go ready to roll um, we saw an article on Smarter Travel that made some interesting suggestions about unique places to, to camp all over the country. Um, included our camping on top of sand dunes in Oregon, <laughs> um, in Red Rocks, in the Flaming Have Gorge Reservoir, places? renting an Airstream in Escalante, Utah, and camping in, the, in the Airstream. Uh, camping alongside the boulders in Joshua Tree. We oh, did that yeah, not yeah, long yeah. ago at all. Uh, camping with the wild horses in Ossateague Island in Virginia, and almost urban camping at the Boston Harbor Islands in Massachusetts. Really? Mm-hmm. That's often a problem when you try to visit a big city. The camping around it is not very good. A Hobbit-related link in Maryland? Well, we'll put the link up to this um, article, and you can see if any of the 10 suggestions, um, including camping at Mount Haleakala in Hawaii, which would be a lovely thing to do, uh, would be something that you would like to add to your summer itinerary. Well, or to your itinerary in the future, yes. That would be a lot of fun. As we have been thinking about the number of years we have left to do this sort of <laughs> RVing and traveling, oh, uh, we, were, we were not surprised to read that the retirement age is slowly increasing. Um, it's up to 62 now on average. Um, certainly this is going to be the trend as there isn't enough money to money, go around right, for right. geezers and geezers haven't saved enough for their retirement and all those kinds of issues. And I just have to think about it as lost RVing years, which is kind lost of a shame. Lost years, yeah, yes. kind of a shame. You need to think about your retirement if you haven't already because uh, it's you need. Uh, there are so many people who have not planned for their retirement. It's amazing to me. Or keep getting diverted by other yeah, things. Yeah, we've thought about it for almost our entire lives. Yeah, and we're rather single-minded in that regard. Right, and it has really worked out well for us. And we hope that you can join us on the road when you retire, because we'd love to see you in a campground near us in the not-too-distant future. 
So we thank you once again, uh, listeners, for spending another RV podcast with us, and we will bid you a fond sayonara. And, oh, yes, sayonara. And and we know that you're not going to catch up with us anytime soon. <laughs> Unless you're on the, the Diamond <laughs> Unless you're Princess. on the Diamond Princess. Um, but if you are, let us know. And uh, we hope we will be able to podcast in a timely fashion, and if not, uh, that you will cut us some slack and travel with us whenever we are back online. Konnichiwa. Bye for now.